see um, that I'm a bit out of practice with that. But let's do children's worship. How many of you recognize this? How many of you have one of something like this at home? It's uh, uh, quite relevant for for the kids. Who who's got some of these at home? There. Does anyone else shop at Checkers and have one or two? There we go. Okay. Gardening. <clears throat> Today we're going to be looking at Second Timothy chapter two, and it says that being a Christian, believing in Jesus, is like is like three things, and he tells us it's like doing certain jobs. The one is being a, a soldier, right? The other one is running a race, being an athlete. And the third is being a gardener, being a farmer. How is being Christian like being a gardener? Who can, who can guess, or, or uh, who would like to try? Yes, Robin? Okay. <clears throat> being a gardener is like, um, or being a Christian requires, uh, let me show you, okay? So the, we planted these, and um, I'm gonna water them here. Little bit, little bit, water. Okay. Now we wait for them to grow. Well, this is taking a bit of a bit of time, hey? Can't they grow a little bit quicker, man? Being a gardener requires patience. It means that we work every day, every day we water them a little bit, every day we make sure that they're getting enough sun. And, but we don't always see what our work produces, what our work makes every day. We only see it right at the end. When these plants grow and we plant them in the ground and there's flowers and fruits and vegetables. Many days from now, we planted this a week ago. I'm not sure, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's a test of faith. But Robin, you understand. We garden, we garden, we, we, we work every day. And one day we will see the fruit. That's one way that being a Christian is like being a farmer. We serve God every day, we do good things, we tell people about Jesus, but we don't always see what God does with those things at the very end. It requires patience. Okay. All right. <clears throat> this morning in uh, Second Timothy,
chapter 2. We're just going to look at one message from each chapter in 2 Timothy. But to reiterate, 2 Timothy is a book written in a very different time from the first. Paul was in prison. He was awaiting his imminent execution. Many people had abandoned him. Things were going rough. And he was writing a final letter of encouragement and, and, uh, and goodbye to his beloved son. He calls him Timothy. And he writes some lessons from his own experience and his own life. So it's a very personal letter, but Timothy is also still um, a pastor and he's... Um, um, He's even in a different region than First Timothy, but, but the lessons that he, he's learning through these personal interactions is ultimately for his continued service. And so, I've entitled this series, Going to Church in Times of Suffering. Now we looked last week at the great encouragement suffering brings despair and hopelessness and and how are we encouraged today we're going to look at how do we persevere how do we endure how do we keep our priorities aligned with what pleases God how do we continue to do church in times of suffering now we don't suffer like this here this was during the reign of Emperor Nero one of the, the most sadistic and, and cruel emperors to ever persecute Christians but uh, but we can learn about what to do when suffering comes in Christian service when we think about a job application or applying for work the newspaper or ad gives some qualifications you need so many years experience you need this you need this you need this I once saw an ad uh, posted the ad said that um, I didn't see this personally this uh, made some waves the ad said that uh, the person applying needs six years of experience in this certain programming language but the programming language had only been around had only been in existence for four years the unrealistic expectations <laughs> from some employers no, these expectations, these um, similarities are quite realistic, in fact beneficial to our walk as Christians. We're not talking about serving in any one capacity. We're not talking about serving the church in this ministry or that ministry. We're talking about our service to our Lord. Paul called himself a slave to Christ that 
my life and my being is in service of our God. So this is more than just the church when I'm talking about Christian service this morning. But let's read our passage. It's from chapter 3 to, to 6. Um, verse 3 to 6. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The farmer that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruit. Consider what I say, the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Dear Lord, we do come to you humbly this morning and we pray that you help us understand the implications of this passage and apply it that we may be healthy and strong and unified as a church regardless of the circumstances of, in our society and in our lives. Amen. Christian is like being a soldier. He says, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Going to war is never a comfortable experience, a pleasant experience. In fact, you can't even associate those things with the idea it it's unimaginable to me i've i've never had to think about going to war and i'm i'm grateful that we live in a time and a place where um, where that's not a concern so not firsthand <laughs> but if we think about war the hardness and the emotional stress and the physical burden that being a soldier in a battle brings. Paul relates this illustration very clearly. As a Christian, we require dedication and loyalty. Listen to the next verse. He says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. In other words, <clears throat> being a soldier is not really a part-time job. Going to war is not something we do in the morning and then in the afternoon we do some other work. In the first century, the Roman civilization was really the first civilization to um, build an army to, to professionalize 
the act of being a soldier to turn it into a profession before it kind of was. The, the people of that city or that village, potters and blacksmiths and farmers would gather their weapons and they would go to war. And then when the war is fought, they would come back and continue their lives. The Roman civilization was the first civilization to, to have an army where you serve, you get paid, <laughs> there was a retirement plan. In fact, the minimum enlistment period was 20 years. If you enlisted into the Roman uh, service, you were there for a minimum of 20 years. And if you were alive after that, you received land and you received honored that. Do we think about our Christian service as being soldiers in the war? Or do we wait for the afternoon when we can go do another part-time job. In our thoughts, do we think Christian thoughts in the morning and think other thoughts in the afternoon? Do we serve on a Sunday morning and do other things on a Sunday afternoon? Do we act morally and good and righteously and seek justice in the morning and do other things in the afternoon. <clears throat> so dedication and loyalty. A soldier also requires loyalty. The next part of verse 4 that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. I want to read you a very interesting part of history, a bit of history. So the consuls, in other words, uh, government officials, um, politicians, people with civil authority, had the power to recruit troops, okay? But in the last days of the Republic, in other words, um, when, I can't remember the exact emperor's name, he enacted emergency powers and he never relinquished them. And since that day, the Roman Empire was, was never a Republic again for thousands of years uh, but it used to be very 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 long ago provincial governments governors were replacing troops without the approval um, of the generals okay so <clears throat> the generals um, sorry not the governors the generals had the power to recruit troops the consuls the governors and the and the politicians removed and replaced troops without the government's, uh, the, the general's approval. This led to legionnaires, to soldiers, swearing loyalty to their generals rather than to Rome itself. 
I think that's an amazing, um, amazing re relevant in Timothy's time, but also for us as well. <laughs> You're the one giving us the orders. You're the one that we're going to listen to. When Rome acted against the will of the general, the soldiers said, we're going to follow this guy, not them. I don't know who's out there, what civil general or what civil governor is calling the shots, but I know this guy. and He's in the battle with me, and he knows what's up, and I trust him. What about our next point? Being a Christian is like being an athlete. In and dedicated. An athlete training on top tier competition would train 12, 16, hours a day they would eat rigorously they would train rigorously they would study their craft or their profession rigorously because when you're competing for victory you can't cut corners maybe you can cut corners in another profession where you're just earning a paycheck but you can't cut corners when you're competing for a prize you can't cheat you literally can't cut corners in a hundred meter sprint for example and if you cheat and you get the podium position that victory would then be hollow. It would be empty. Listen to verse 5. But watch thou in all things endure affliction. Um, no, 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 no. Um, sorry, my page flipped over. Um, and if a man strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. According to the rules, according to the race that is set out before him. Here's another piece of history. Nero, the same guy that executed Paul, the decadent Emperor Nero entered the Olympic Games in a chariot race in 67 AD. This is documented history. Only to disgrace himself by declaring himself the winner even after he fell off his chariot and lost the race. You know what you won in the Olympic Games in those days? You didn't win gold. You didn't win prize money. You won a wreath. Okay? A simple crown wreath that went on top of your head. But it meant one thing. You endured. You won your dedication got you to the end and so that 
that glory was more than enough of a prize for Nero to declare himself the winner as emperor and the official, imagine standing there, he's all chuffed and uh, the official puts his crown, the wreath and rolls his eyes and you know, like, oh my goodness. That victory is hollow. How oblivious would you have to be to enjoy a victory like that? So Paul says in verse four, uh, in chapter four, later on, I have uh, run the race. I've fought the good fight. I have endured. He says. Next, Christian service is like being an athlete. Um, It's like being a farmer, like being a husbandman. Verse 6, the farmer that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruit. If you initially read there, it sounds like it's saying, um, because a farmer labored for the fruit, he gets to enjoy it first I don't think that's what it's saying I don't think it's talking about entitlement the word ought to is um, is translated not as a as a command but um, it's a subjunctive it means something that uh, that should happen in other words hard work is evident in the fruits of the harvest. Versus a farmer who does not put in the work. In other words, the husbandman is first partakers of the fruit because there there was patience and a consistency in his work. How can a farmer expect fruit if he doesn't water the plants, if he doesn't care for the animals, if he doesn't put in the work? How can there be fruit then? So the husbandman isn't entitled to the fruit because he's the husbandman. It's because he put in the work that he is a first partaker. But it requires patience because our work is not evident on a daily basis. So if we look back on these three illustrations, these three vocations that should relate to our Christian service. And we think in the ways that it differs from our normal vocation. In the soldier, it's not something we punch in time card, and we work nine hours and we punch out. 
in an athlete, it's not something that we put um, in the minimum and we still get out the same salary, that there's um, perseverance and endurance involved in this vocation of being a Christian. And as a farmer, that it requires patience. We don't get a weekly uh, performance report. We don't get commission on every sale. It's something we see right at the end. Being a Christian and serving the Lord as a Christian requires a mindset. Loyalty, endurance, and patience. To do church when things get tough. I want to quickly skip ahead to verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. <clears throat> we don't apply for a job. We don't work without knowing what we're going to get. And the Lord says, so that the people around you may also obtain salvation with, uh, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Yeah, I can work for that. That that sounds like very generous compensation. Not that we're compensated. <laughs> we're thinking about the vocation of being a Christian. And the Lord says, this is what you're working towards. As we are saved, that we may also save others. Lord, we do pray this morning, we thank you that we can look to these illustrations and apply it to our Christian life and that you ask us to endure hardships, you ask us to remain loyal, you ask us to be patient. I pray that you help us. to be Christians in everything that comes with that wonderful vocation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.